Welcome back, Kofkin Bond listeners. We're here with episode 120, and today is a really exciting one, and I think it really relates to the news we've received today that there's an extension of the lockdown again, but um, we have someone today that's doing some amazing work in the community, and the problem with today's episode, I think, is I'm going to have to get my credit card out from my partner, Jess, as I know she's going to be wanting some of this product, but I'd like to welcome Kate. Kate, welcome to our podcast. Thank you so very much for having me. So we have Kate Dillon today, and, and as I just said, she um, she started some really amazing ventures in, in the last few years, and, and we'll get into those. But Kate, I want to start off with what started your journey, um, and you're actually, your profession's legal, and you've been in it for a long time. What inspired you as a child to to sort of pursue the legal path? Well, to be really honest with you, I I don't know that I ever had any aspirations to go into law. (laughs) I had aspirations to be um, an actor and my parents convinced me that law was the closest thing to acting and so that is um, where I went with an arts law um, major in drama Um, and as it turns out, it's it's not very similar to acting apart from the public speaking bit, which I love. Um, but I, I, I couldn't say that I'm not happy that I did it. I think it's uh, a fantastic degree to have and it's been a, a really great pathway, albeit I'm definitely that um, square peg trying to get into a round hole. And so I've absolutely um, been intentional about carving out my role in that legal sphere in a bit of a different way, I think, to the traditional um lawyer <laughs> yeah and, and you've done a lot of further studies on you know i guess strategic thinking and you know leadership skills and things like that so you know have you always been studious in your in your life and as a kid you sort of i, I guess when you look at arts and study and drama it's sort of they, they really don't go together sometimes oh i love creativity and i love yeah. creative thinking and um i love being able to pull the two things together and i love that aha moment that you see in other people when you facilitate that to happen for them. Um, And I think that there's heaps of creativity in being able to bring that into um, an intellectual sphere and, um, yeah, just the importance of play, I think, and being able to play and having that spark. I think I've always been a learner and I love learning and that's probably where it comes from. uh, Yeah, studious I suppose, yes, because you have to be to be able to, to complete those things. But it's more the love of learning and discovering new things and being curious. Yeah, we always um we always laugh when we interview lawyers that the only times you sort of ever see them is if something's gone wrong or you're trying to prevent something from going wrong. But Yeah, imagine how that makes us feel. <laughs> <laughs> but I guess with your background, you know, and, and some of the great lawyers that we work with, and I, I think you're really going to relate to this, you obviously work with your clients in, in coming up with, you know, actually, you know, side by side sort of coming up with ways um, that you can get, get creative. Absolutely, absolutely. But it's also about lawyers working with lawyers, I think, internally as well. And um, because you do often work with clients when they when they need assistance and it becomes sort of reactionary and you want to be able to get in front of that and be proactive so that you're helping, you know, the client move through whatever it is before a problem happens, but also, um, you know, bringing the lawyers together so that you can help them think about things differently and, and open up this creative space because so many lawyers are so creative and yep. don't necessarily get the ability to uh, explore that. And um, I think this is a fantastic avenue to tap into someone like a lawyer who often is like a very, very clever, switched-on, strategic, analytical thinker um, to be able to free them up in a space to be able to think like this is is usually incredibly helpful and insightful um, to everybody who's in the room. 
Yeah, I agree. And we, we, we did one recently, um, and, and that was sort of the same answer there. But, look, 2015, things pivoted for so, you. Jamie, is... I, I have to ask a question here if it's okay. Um, yeah. Sorry, you, you were warned, Kate, that I would jump in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's, uh, I can't help myself. Uh, you, you actually do specialise uh, looking at uh, what you do at Gilbert and Tobin. So you are the National Innovation Strategy Lawyer and now National Transformation Lawyer. So from that perspective, in, in going into what uh, Jamie's going to ask you questions on, I'm assuming you've had a lot of experience with the pain that good size SME owners go through before going and embarking on this yourself. So it's not necessarily, you work for one of the largest firms in the country, but it's not necessarily uh, going out blind. Would that be a fair call? In in terms of what I do at SheLine? SheLine, yes, yes. Uh, yeah. Well, I think, yeah, I suppose it's a bit of a mix. I, I have always uh, worked um, when I've been as a lawyer in moderate, I started in a boutique firm, to be honest, actually, um, which was an amazing boutique firm, but then moved to Ashurst, which is a very big firm, and then Gilbert and Tobin, which is a which is a very big Australian firm. Um, and you are usually dealing with big corporates and big companies and a lot more capital and a lot more ability to move around. Um, Gilbert and Tobin is amazing because they happen to be a big firm that is actually quite nimble as, a, as much as that's a terrible buzzword. Um, um, they are very progressive and they, are, they do absolutely lean into change and embracing change. Um, but Sheline uh, really started as a, as, a, as a passion project to properly explore creativity um, from the sense that um, I saw an opportunity that um, hadn't really been capitalised on at the time in 2015 um, and thought this is an outlet I can really channel a lot of my creative skills and had no idea how much of a steep learning curve that would be and and how much I would learn way more than anything I've studied um, coming out of owning and running a business. Um, and then the two are mutually reinforcing because I think I've become so much more commercial in my approach um, to law because I, I am running my own business and it is my money and it does stop with me. And you do have to be all things to all people because you're the owner and um, you're not necessarily, you know, that T-shaped person where you have really deep skills in one area where you can fall back on that. You're really got to be a bit more of a jack of all trades at the beginning at least because you are the startup. Whereas in a big corporate, you you leverage that entrepreneurial skill set where you're trying to bring that entrepreneurial piece in there, but you've got this amazing ability to have a lot more support and you have a team around you. And um, yeah, I don't know, they're both different experiences, but they, they benefit each other. And I feel like I'm very, very lucky to be able to have the opportunity to do both. So what made you pivot and start, Sheila? I'd, I'd love to get the background of your thought and when it come about. Um, you know, I know it publicly launched in 2015 um, and, and I've read the articles, but I'd love you to tell the listeners, you know, where did the idea come from and what is She Lion? Well, um, to tell you that in a short story, She <laughs> um, <laughs> um, Lion came about because um, I, as I said before, I had I've always really loved being creative and absolutely wanted to be an actor. And my parents had convinced me um, at the time that studying law and becoming a lawyer would be close enough. 
And um, I had then since found out after going on exchange to Sweden that there was such a thing as fashion law in America and fashion was the other thing that I absolutely loved and a way of expressing myself, uh, making a statement with clothing, pulling things together, um, colours with um, colour matching for people and um, I don't know, just something, another area of creativity that I also really loved and, and heard about this fashion law in New York and thought, oh, my God, that is me to a T. I need to do that. And um, so came back and studied for the bar exam in New York by correspondence in Australia. So it was like 200 hours of lectures online and then um, studying on top of that. And you have to get like 60% across 32 subjects at the time. I think they've now changed the way they score it, but at the time. Um, and I studied so hard. It was the year before, it was like the end of my um, penultimate year at uni before I went to work as an article clerk. They don't even call you article clerks anymore. That's how old I am. Um, and um, I was so excited. I publicly told everybody that I was going to do it and, you know, I was, getting revved up to get the email and I got the email and I failed and oh, I was just I don't think I've ever been that embarrassed in my life um, but it taught me so much I failed by one percent I failed by 10 marks out of a thousand um, and oh, I was just devastated I didn't even know how to, yeah, I didn't know. I was just so devastated. I just would viscerally remember the uh, reaction. And then... Um, Could you submit mother, for a review or anything like that? Pardon me? Could you submit for a review or...? No, 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 no. They're so strict about all that. So uh, my mother said, oh, you know, that is upsetting, but just do it again. And I was like, all right, okay. And so started full-time work and I was, like, getting up at uh, four before work to be um, studying before I was going to work and then working again at night time when I got home until, like, 12 at night and you do that for four months. And, and I passed and I passed by a long way and it was amazing and I think that has been, like, the thing that has taught me that anything is possible if you put your mind to it and public failure, which that was epically public failure uh, because the, my ego was so involved um was the best thing for me because it just means now that like after having experienced that I have much less fear of failure like I'm ready to experience again because um I have and then I suppose it's about reframing the mindset and um absolutely going for what you want and and life is so short um as, as you know, COVID and lockdown, I think, um, reinforces this time with family and this slowdown time, um, reassessing what's really important. But, um, yeah, Sheline uh, came out of that. So I had moved from I had tried to do fashion law. I'd done the bar exam. I then flew over to America with my husband um, to get admitted as an attorney. And I teed up this meeting with Susan Scarfidi, who was the professor of Fordham uh, University fashion law, like the place to do it. And you basically have to have a master's qualification to do a specialisation in America. And so I went to have a meeting with her and I convinced my husband I needed to buy these like really amazing $300 hunter gumboots because they were like so in at the moment. It was like torrential rain. And I thought, oh, I look really great. I'm going to go meet this woman. And, oh, my God, I walked in to meet her and she was, like, head to toe in couture. I never felt like I was wearing anything so cheap in my life. <laughs> um, but she was so lovely and so down to earth. And she was basically like, yes, 
it's, it's like sort of 250, 300K to do the course. You'd have to be here. Um, you can't do it by correspondence. And, you know, we're looking down the nose of GFC. Um, my husband's building qualification wasn't recognised in America and I'd be looking at crazy hours if they even employed me as an international because they were sort of first out. Um, so it just didn't align. And she gave me sound advice saying, you know, what you should do is go back to Australia, do a master's in IP basically the same thing, start working in IP and then come back and, you know, after this GFC thing's over, you know, come back and talk to me again and I'll help sort you out. So went back to Australia and did um, a Master's of Commercial Law, one subject in construction so that I could be of some assistance to my husband or at least feel like I had a bit more confidence around that and all the other subjects in IP and moved from the boutique firm that I was in with an amazingly supportive partner who effectively, like, guided me into this um, other interview process at Ashurst into their IP team and had some fashion law clients and then realised actually I want to run a business in fashion rather than do the law for the fashion businesses. So um, becoming increasingly frustrated at having handbags that were really beautiful but couldn't carry my laptop, all the paperwork, um, my lunch and my gym gear if I was organised. Um, have a, you know, a snappy outfit, a great suit, a beautiful bag, but it's not that functional and you have a really ugly laptop bag and your gym bag. I thought there's got to be a better solution to this and uh, spoke to a lot of women and, and started like really exploring it and everybody else was, was having the same issue and um, that's absolutely where Sheline was born. So just networked like a crazy woman, went to all of the night school courses at RMIT in handbag construction and learned actually how to make the bags myself and um, patterns and different leather qualities and um, reinforcement and hardware. And then I did their Illustrator and Photoshop courses three times. First time to learn the skills, the next two times to network like a crazy person because all the people doing those courses were designers that were upskilling digitally in big companies that like had all of the insight onto which sourcing fairs I should go to, um, which logistics providers would be the best people to talk to, where to get packaging from, um, all of these things that you have no idea when you step into a new space. And I definitely had no idea. And I think because I was such a small business. Um, they were they were very happy to share all this amazing intel, um, and that's that's where it started. Jamie, uh, I am never going to complain about my working hours again. Yeah, I was going to say. Simple. <laughs> <laughs> I am between getting up early and trying to go to the gym and complaining that I'll put on too much weight during COVID and it's... Uh, oh, no, and, that was just for a short period when I was the That was just a short period and was not sustainable for a long period. <laughs> oh, no, so it's, it's just like I'm sitting there listening just going, that's crazy. That is just absolutely crazy. So it's, um, I'm, I'm hoping you and your hubby did uh, organise at least date nights and things like that every so often. So it's, uh, oh, absolutely. Yeah, he's yeah. the most amazing man. We weren't married at that point. That was pre-marriage and pre-babies, obviously. Yeah. Um, yeah, babies and, and, and marriage was later. But, um, yeah, no, I think having a supportive partner makes all the difference. And I'm sure you both know as well, you know, when you get that fire in your belly, you just want to make it happen. And, you know, come hell or high water, you're going to do it. And you're so determined. I was so determined that second time I wasn't going to fail twice. So, um, yeah, yeah. So 
the first bag and design, that's a lot of work and study that's gone into that. And I think that's incredible that you've done that yourself. Um, I think sometimes people can try cut corners and find experts to do it for them. Um, well, you've really done the groundwork yourself there. Where, what was your first design that you come up with? Was it the first product you released or was it, you know, how many times did you rip up the bit of paper and start again? So many, uh, so many. Um, the first designs that were actually sold were iterations of the originals, um, but I made multiple samples and had very, very steep learning curves uh, dealing with factories and working out how to navigate that, navigate that place and then actually getting third-party people involved to make sure things were ethical and responsible um, and then multiple visits overseas to make sure that that was all in place um, and then forming amazing relationships with people internationally that then would um, support your designs and then suggest improvements as well. And then also getting those samples back and giving them to people who I knew were hard users, um, yeah. as well as myself, that would really um, use the bags hard <laughs> and really road test them, as well as sending them off to uh, professional testing places where they like um, pull the handle 10,000 times and, and twist the locks 10,000 times and put as much weight as possible in the bag and then just hang it there for hours to see how much bag how much weight the, the bags can hold and yeah. how strong the reinforcements are um, to really make sure that it was the product that I was wanting it to be and saying that it was. Um, but having said that, gosh, the you look at the pictures of the bags that I brought out when I first launched in July 2015, which I must admit I was proud of and I thought they were beautiful, but they are big bags and I and my design skills and refinement, I think, in construction has come such a long way in the last six years that the bags that I produce now I think are, are, are really stunning and I'm, I'm very proud of the um, the way that they can carry such big laptops and not look like big bags and have really functional compartments that um, suit you and your needs in a way that's quite intuitive um, and they're not bulky, whereas I think my first handbags were meeting the need, but they weren't they weren't as light as these ones and they weren't as seamless as these ones. And, yeah, and I feel like these ones are a lot more um, statement as well. So but I'm biased, I'm, obviously, because I'm, I'm the designer. <laughs> I'm actually looking at an article by Penelope Herbert, 5th of January 2016, called Accessories. She, line creator, walks fearlessly in an interview with Kate Dillon. I'm looking at the bags. This is 2016. Now, I Maybe have... first collection. Yeah, I have a wife who likes bags, and no, they, these are... She would definitely uh, buy all of these off you without any doubt, and she oh, went... Oh, they were definitely beautiful, but oh, we were overseas and, I was going to say, we were overseas, and she went to buy a handbag and came out with 10. Uh, a couple of them were meant She's to go... She's woman after my own heart, then. She, <laughs> did, she did have three sisters who were apparently all getting all each a bag each. They never they never turned up at her sister's place. Uh, so it's... Um, well, you never know. You always need... They need to... You have multiple colours and multiple finishes. And I mean, I'm looking at the strategist clutch. That's beautiful. The pouch. Oh, the everyday pouch. So it's... Um, and I'm no fashionista, but you do know good quality. That's... that's yeah, the, quality uh, the, the negotiator backpack. Yeah, that's uh, so, a staple. That's still in the in the range. Is that for the gym clothes as well? Is it? Well, they all fit. They all fit a lot, depending on how 
larger bag. I've got quite a range now. Yeah. Um, they're more streamlined for paperwork, laptops, a pair of shoes, your lunch, um, two phones, business cards, pens, and compartments for all those things. Um, but you could easily fit some gym gear in the larger bags if you wanted to. Gentlemen, I think our, all of our joint bank accounts with our uh, fairer halves is going to get absolutely eaten <laughs> when they have a look at that. But I, I should say that the most important pieces of the collection at the moment absolutely are the ones that are made by 22 small businesses uh, from Melbourne and Sydney and, and they support the supply chain buying these sweatshirts that say actually I can and support local actually gives money to each of the 22 businesses every time a, a top is sold and then every time we replenish the order. Um, so they, the bags are fabulous and they absolutely support me and my business. Um, but I'm so passionate about raising awareness about small business, Australian manufacturing, the skill set that we have here. It hasn't been possible for me to be able to manufacture the bags, which I would have loved to in Australia at the scale construction level and the reinforcement requirements that I needed um, but to be able to manufacture something end-to-end -end in Australia in Melbourne no less with some consultants from Sydney that are absolutely involved as well um, has been really important to me and then to, to, yeah. to yell that from the rooftops um, that this is a way to support a lot of small businesses and also um, you know, feel good in yourself, put a spring in your own step, I think is really important to me. And I think that that's where you should focus. If you're going to buy anything from me, please buy a support local or an actually I can before you buy a bag. <laughs> so I was about, that was going to be my next question. So that's, that's the newest project, the actually I can. Um, yes. Is that, does that come around because of COVID that's driven that or yes. you know, where does all this come from? Yeah, from COVID. Um, so Sheeline, uh, from very from the outset, um, the brand pillars are premium practicality, bold ambition and fierce elegance. So premium practicality is like beautiful but practical. Bold ambition is all about walking fearlessly. You can do anything you set your mind to, anything's possible with guts and determination. And fierce elegance is about more than it being um, elegant, it is like making a statement. It is really beautiful, but it's, it's high, I'm here. And... Um, COVID, 2019, the handbags were going really well. I just, I, I just had my second child at the end of De in December 2019, and made a much bigger purchase of inventory, gearing up for a growth year in 2020, which was really exciting. Um, and it was trending towards people wanting to buy a more exclusive handbag offering um, with really premium leathers, and so. All of those bags arrived in late January, early February, and then COVID happened in March, and it was like totally not the right angle and not the right appetite and not the right line to be pushing. Like you, you can't be saying, hi, come buy an exclusive $800 handbag um, now. <laughs> And uh, yeah, it just was it just was not right. And then obviously there was much less sales because it turns out you don't need a really beautiful functional handbag to go from the kitchen to the home office. So um, as much as I have some amazing supporters and a hugely um, incredible network of customers who who continued to buy from me even though they really didn't need the the product that my business serves, the problem my business serves you know, is commuting and people weren't commuting. Um, yeah, the business 
uh, sales reduced by, you know, more than 40%, which was a lot. And um, then logistics um, increased all that cost, all those costs increased by more than 30%. And um, I was at home with a newborn with hardcore reflux. So no one was getting much sleep. And then I had a very active three-year-old boy and um, we were in regional Victoria, thankfully. So we had a little bit of a backyard, um, but my husband wasn't home because he was in construction as an essential worker. And I, I just was like, yeah, really frustrated that that my business was suffering and that there were so many other businesses that were suffering and I uh, wanted to do something. And, um, you know, it didn't matter how small it was. I just thought, you know, maybe that if there's anything, there's something that could start a chain reaction, like a bigger thing that's much bigger than SheLine, but something that other people could do that would bring joy. And um, I'm a big fan of um, slogan tops anyway. And um, I have quite a collection and I was wearing them. I was wearing one that says superhero and giving myself like a pep talk to myself on my personal Instagram, not my brand Instagram saying, you know, women can do anything because I had like a really rough night with the boys, not sleeping and, you know, we can do this. We're all superheroes. Let's rally together type thing. And somebody made a comment and said, gosh, why don't you make a top like that that says walk fearlessly, like your tagline, that would be great. And um, that's where it started. And I thought, gosh, that's like something that I could explore here in Australia where possibly every single element could be Australian. And yeah. um used to work at Feathers while I was at law school um, and such a big fan of Margaret Porritt and I knew that she manufactured and has always done in Australia and uh, knew she manufactured at CGT Australia in Brunswick and followed like them on Instagram and then Cole called them and said, listen, this is what I'm thinking of doing and um, Philip Scorsis on the other end of the line blew me away. Um, he was like, stoked that that was the concept um and felt me out initially because I think he obviously fields a lot of calls from people wanting to start labels or do whatever and I was like no 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 I always already have a brand I understand the process of manufacturing I know nothing about garment manufacturing but I do know about leather handbags and I am going to follow through <laughs> um but he completely opened his book of um contacts he was like, this is where you want to go if you want to get Australian um, fabric that's actually milled here. This yeah. is where you need to go if you want to get um, trimmings. This is where you go if you want to get embroidery done. This is where you go if you want to get screen printing done. This is where you go if you want to get the best washing done. Um, this is this is a pattern maker. Here's two other pattern makers. All three are great. I know they're all busy, but try, try them all. Um, you know, then you'll have to get it graded. And then, like, honestly, a couple of hours um, of Intel that like nobody would give to you, like not even like amazing, like beyond family, like um, the generosity was just mind blowing. Yeah. And then that happened multiple times with every other small business that was involved and cross referring one another and saying, oh, you know, you should speak to this person and have you considered X and have you considered Y? So it became this like um, uplifting mission for me because I was speaking to these people who were just so happy to be involved and it was just so much joy to be discussing something um, that was cross-referring other Australians um, and recognising people's skills and doing something that was bringing joy to other people as well. I mean, yeah, it just kept, it, I, I think when you get into flow, 
things just fall into place. And and this was one of those things. Like just each each person was providing nuggets of magic that brought it all together in a way that was just so much better and bigger than I had ever thought. Um, and then so generous with their time. Yeah, just I, I'm blown away and fortunate. They were the ones that were looking after me. <laughs> so you brought 22 family businesses together um, to come up with a brand new concept for you they're supporting you, you're supporting them during a very, very rough period, and especially back then because there was so much uncertainty about COVID yeah. um, as well. So basically you brought 22 local family businesses together, still got your sustainable, still got the organic cotton, the organic fabric, et cetera. Yeah. So natural fibre. Yeah. yeah, natural fibre. So Roller-powered um, miller and every, absolutely every element is Australian. Yeah, so... That concept of bringing 22 small businesses together is not an easy task. We 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 like to think we're the king of referrals to our clients to clients and etc. But that is just unbelievable. Now, correct me if I'm wrong, but Philip is at the start of that video with his mother. Is that correct? That's yes, video yes. You did. Vicky, Vicky is so beautiful. They're both so beautiful. Yeah. Yeah, and but that is the they're the immigrant story of the 60s. Uh, who's basically come out here as as uh, you well, know? Vicky, Vicky started it. Vicky started it 35 yeah. years ago. Yeah. They, they, the the old story is, you know, I came here with an empty suitcase and one shoe and and built something from the ground up, and that that's the story of Australia with the immigrants that started from the sort of 50s and 60s. There was the turn of the century as well, but these these are the European uh, immigrants that came here. My parents, and a lot of other parents as well. Vicky. Um, etc. I can hear she's an immigrant to with her, uh, with her still got a very strong accent as my mother does um, as well. So, so based on that, bringing 22 businesses together under one concept uh, would not have been an easy task. Uh, would have been a lot of. How do you bring 22 businesses together during COVID when none of you can get together? I suppose a lot of them all knew each other to start with. Is that correct? Quite a few, quite a few, but not really well. Um, it, to be honest with you, it was easy. They were so generous with their time. They were so um, happy to be involved in something that was business for good. They were incredibly supportive of someone who was wanting to raise awareness for manufacturing in Australia. Um, and they were so incredibly helpful with helping me. I mean, honestly, these people were more about if they were much more helping me. And I just hope that all of the media that we can get can also bring more back to them um, because I am the one in their debt, honestly. Um, it was lots of Zoom calls, lots of couriers, lots of text messages. Um, I didn't actually get to meet anybody until sort of January, February, when I went to film them on my phone initially and interview them because I wanted to know all of their stories and they honestly felt like family members um each and every one of them you know i would see for the first time with a big hug and uh, uh it's just was something i feel like it was a project that i absolutely needed for it kept me sane and it kept me going and um yeah they gave me the gift absolutely kate it's when you when you're bringing something like that together and businesses all supporting each other it, it's 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 just that natural flow of goodness because a lot of people, I, I've always said that I believe a lot of people, uh, well, the majority of people are inherently good. They just don't know what they can do to help at times as well. And 
one of the things that is now I saw your video on uh, Lisa Fitzgerald's LinkedIn page and it's very rare that any video catches my attention for the full 10 minutes and 44 seconds. Yes, sorry, it's a long one. And I and I wanted it to brilliant. be longer because they had all these amazing stories. But it is <laughs> but it is so brilliant. I I mean, I just the, well, that's was, visual just, domain. Visual domain are the are the creative, amazing because I videoed them all on my phone, and I had yeah. this amazing mentor at Visual Domain, Renice Brewster, who is is magical in her own right. Um, and she was like, no, no, we have to do this properly. And so she went back with me with these with proper camera crews and sound and lighting and everything else to capture all of their stories. Um, because the idea was I didn't that we would try and get it onto Australian story or something because I honestly have, you know, more than half an hour of footage from each individual person talking about their journey and the impact of um, manufacturing going overseas and now that COVID is sort of shining a light on the fact that we need to be more reliant on Australian skills and, you know, how we can make a change to that and whether we can actually bring that back and conscious choices we're going to have to make as a community whether, whether we want to keep it here, what we're going to need to do and, you know, whether that needs to come, well, it does need to come from a government level, um, but also it needs to be about changing the mindset around um, what things cost, but then about also the fact that you're paying people fairly and ethically in Australia to produce something for you so it's benefiting Australians and making jobs here in Australia. Um yeah, so it was really important to me to make the investment in a professional video after speaking with her because that would really then capture the story and then that was all their creative genius, the way they pulled that together in 10 minutes. I'm pretty sure Willard has uh, written down their name and details. Yeah, uh, Visual Domain, amazing yeah, so. videographers, Visual Domain. Kate, in that as well, though, this just goes to sh just show the positive power of social media. As the gents know, me being the elder in this uh, interview, I sometimes get very critical of mainstream media and social media when it all goes to the negative all the time. But that's the power of uh, positive social media influence. Me just seeing that uh, posted by Lisa, I reached out to Lisa, I know Lisa pretty well, I reached out to Lisa. Uh, Lisa's actually been one of our guests before on a podcast as well, reached out to her and said, Lisa, I was just mesmerised by that story. I wanted an introduction. Oh. And and that's how we have met. And I think uh, Lisa actually posted on there, oh, people just saying, uh, you know, okay, people saying they're mesmerised. I thought, well, that's me, so I'm just going directly to you. So, so <laughs> lovely, yeah. <laughs> so, see, that's, see, yeah. see, that's an example of, uh, so it, it resonated with you, Um and it, it has resonated with each of the people in the supply chain and that's why they were coming together. So that's so lovely that, that you're reaching out and then you're now helping us spread the word as well. So that's like it's a huge, impact. I'm hugely grateful to you too. Like, thank no, you. No, it's, um, it's, we, we love wonderful stories, you know, and because it's local, because it's, you know, it's many local manufacturers have done it tough over the last 20 years here, yeah. you know, so it's, um, and it was, it was this story that actually came with it. That is just sensational. And, you know, if, if you're, if you're not contacted by the ABC within the next week, just reach out. We'll get we'll get that organised. But it's uh, so I, I when we, we can be feral when it comes to getting stuff done. Do you know so people, yeah, because we've no, been no, but, but I know, but I know people who know people. I know one of the people who interviewed on there, Hannah Asafiri. Her story was just you know just crying for half an hour uh, through Hannah's story. 
um, and you know Hannah is a very good friend of our firm. So so yeah, we we can do that. So but it's it's such it. a wonderful story, and it is supporting local and it's supporting businesses, and it's it's everything that these guys hear me talking about all the time of you know the local SME owners who. And even one of our clients who was interviewed um, earlier on, I think it was podcast number 13 or 15 or so, Liam Omesso. And, you know, people say, as Leo said, people see where he is now, but they don't see the story when his factory burned down. Yeah. Uh, so they, yeah. they don't know all those stories of pain of having his two, he was a single dad and having his two-year-old asleep in the car at three in the morning, having to drive to the factory, yeah. you know, so, and things like that. They're the stories that people don't hear. They just see their potential success that has come now so I think I think that what you have done has been sensational uh we're certainly going to get it out there um even more so we're going to get all everything out there and pump this as much as we possibly can for you and your I've got to give you all the names of and your 22 partners yeah 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 they're all uh, listed on my site on every single product page um and then they're obviously also listed in any any media that we've been getting uh, like referring everybody off to, to interview other people as well um that because i i am not the the garment expert by any means i'm super passionate about the project but the people that really need to be interviewed are, are the makers that are on the front line here um and the stories that they tell honestly um the footage that i've got and the stories that they've shared is just amazing and and i, I really want to find a platform for that to be put out there because it's an awareness piece that people need. I am that um, person that didn't know how involved it was to make something like a sweatshirt. I thought naively it was quite straightforward. And it's not. When you do all the technical pieces here, um, there is so much more involved and so many hands touch the garment. Um, there are so, There's just such an opportunity for so many jobs to be grown here and brought back here um, and wealth to be brought back here. Um, it just seems crazy not to be shouting this from the rooftops when this is something anybody can can help with. Um, yeah, I mean, you ask anybody in the fashion industry, they know all about this. And and, and I am by no means the first person to make something um, Australian made. Um, but the, the unique piece with this is that it's absolutely every single element. Um, and, and I think that is quite unique. And I didn't understand how unique that was until I had big conversations with people like, Ralph Bonadio from Top Knit Fabrics and Vicky and Philip Scorsis from CGT Australia and Sam from Richmond Industrial Laundry, people like that, and Val Kirks from T-Shirt Oz, all these amazing people. Um, yeah. No, we'll, uh, we'll start shouting from the rooftops for you as well. So Thank you. Thank so, you. Kate, just in finishing, um, you still work uh, as a lawyer. I'm on that leave at the moment, so, yeah, so, so not, not okay. right now, but yes. Okay, Flexibly. so, well, then that adds to the next part. You are also a wife, a mother of two youngins. Oh. Yes, yeah, yep. so a mother of uh, two very young youngins as well, yes. so very yeah. at the very high energy age, and, and, and you're running this business as well. So my congratulations out to you on everything you've done. This story is sensational. We will yell it from the rooftops for you as well. Oh. Um, I'm sure all of our staff and all of our partners will be straight on to uh, this and you'll see more people doing their one hour or two hours of exercise this lockdown, isn't it? So two hours yeah. of exercise in your sweatshirts. Oh, um, I hope so. Well. That would be great. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, oh. so I'm not too sure whether you have any of those, especially that one that says support local in yes. 
in six foot two male size. Yes, 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 Good. yes. They okay. have dual sizing. They yeah. are, they are. I, I must be upfront. They are made for women, but they absolutely. I've got a lot of men that have bought them, and we go right up to a size twenty two. So an extra, they're dual sizing. So as small as an eight to ten, but an extra, extra large is a twenty to a twenty two. So whatever you would normally buy um, would probably be your size because it's dual sizing. So if you're normally an M or an L as a man, that would probably be your size because it's bigger. Whereas if you're a woman, you buy size down if you want, depending on how you want it to fit. Okay. And you can check them out at sheline.com.au. Yes, no, we were checking out the website uh, just prior to getting onto this call as well. So it's uh, I've checked it out before as well. So, uh, Jamie, do you have anything else to add? That's all for me. I, I really appreciate your time and coming on today, Kate. Oh, it's entirely the other way around. I hugely appreciate you helping me amplify this message. Thank you so much, Tony our, and Jamie. Our absolute pleasure. Coffin Bond Podcast is a product from Coffin Bond & Co, which we are an authorised representative of Cam Financial. All information in this podcast is for education and entertainment purposes only. It is not intended as a substitute for professional finance, legal or tax advice. The hosts of the Coffin Bond Podcast are not aware of your personal financial circumstances. Before making any financial decision, you should read the product disclosure statement and if necessary, consult a licensed financial professional. Do not take financial advice from the podcast. For more information, head to the disclaimer page on the Coffin Bond website, or you can find resources on the ASIC website and find a registered financial professional near you. In the spirit of reconciliation, Coffin Bond and Co. and the hosts of the Coffin Bond podcast acknowledge the traditional custodians of the country throughout Australia and their connections to land, sea, and community. We pay our respects to their elders, past, present, and extend that respect to all Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people today.